Welcome back to Money Talks, guys. I love to go in with that song way too often, and I always screw it up because I forget how long and slow the intro is. And every time I do, I'm like, all right, well, we'll be back in 30 seconds when we can let it play in. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Good song, but slow intro. Good discussion, guys. And, you know, kind of towards the end, they were talking about dividend-paying stocks. I think it's a perfect segue into the first question we've got for this week. Uh, before we get into that, um, throughout the week, feel free to send us your questions. You can call our question hotline at 1-855-429-9166. Um, leave us a voicemail. We'll answer your question on our next show. Can be anything financial, planning related, uh, investment related. If you got, you know, a hot stock tip you want us to vet, feel free to to give us a call and ask us that. Alternatively, you can email us at drgene at hensler.com. That's H-E-N-S-S-L-E-R.com. So our first question this week, guys, Kyle from Alpharetta. I remember back in the day, Gene wanted to avoid telecommunication stocks. But now I'm seeing Verizon show up in more and more of my screenings. Should I buy? What's a good price? So my connection there from the dividend paying stocks is Verizon is actually in our recommended portfolio for our equity income portfolio, that dividend paying portfolio you guys mentioned earlier. Um, And to answer your question, so back in the days when Dr. Gene would say don't buy telecommunication stocks, the concern there was that there was no earnings growth. And, you know, outside in other sectors at the time, there was much more opportunity to get some significant earnings growth. The telecommunication sector has changed tremendously over the past two years. If you look back, I think it was September of 18 is when Gix reclassified it. You would look at the telecom sector, you'd have AT&T, Verizon, um, CenturyLink, and maybe like two or three three more, and it was 5% yeah. or less of the S&P 500. Well, a couple of years ago, they reclassified it um, to communication services. So now if you look in there, you've got companies like Disney, Facebook, mm-hmm. um, Alphabet, or you know Google, if you want to call it that. Still got Verizon, AT&T, Comcast, Netflix. So it's a much different sector now. So you don't want to avoid exposure overall to that yeah. to that sector. Um, well, especially considering there's cell phones now, right, which there weren't back then when he had first started talking about these. And you also had a more monopolistic environment, which ironically Verizon came about as a result of right. because of the, the breakup of, was it AT&T, I think? Yeah. Uh, that, you know, so it was a very different landscape to, to your point, Nick. I think it's... Uh, significantly changed absolutely should be viewed that way and there's still not tremendous earnings growth expected out of Verizon as a whole only about three percent but what we own it for is as I mentioned the dividend you you look at its valuation it looks attractive it trades at about 12 times earnings which in this in this environment 12 times earnings that's pretty cheap predictable cash flows yeah Yeah. super attractive so couple that with the more than four percent dividend yield and you see why we like it not to mention, mm-hmm. Casey mentioned, we like to, to look at companies with a good dividend coverage. Well, Verizon's dividend is covered more than two times by earnings. So earnings got cut in half. They're still able to sustain that dividend yeah. without having to go to the bank and borrow just to cover it. Um, so it's a good case for the answer to his question. Yeah. I mean, is it cheap? Yeah, absolutely. And you know what I really think a lot of people have forgotten about, because I, I don't know why, but recently it's just been coming up more and more lately. And I keep having to remind people that I think we, in general, as investors, are becoming numb 
to what the market does over time because of what it's done in these recent years. And so yeah. in a market like this where everything's so expensive, it's not always about what can I find that's got the best growth or the most optimal growth. It's we need some protection. So some of it is what's got the least downside. Yeah. You know, there's there's got to be this balance and everybody's still How looking for these. How much cheaper can you get than 12 times earnings, <laughs> yeah, right? Yeah, right. You know, where where can digits. I find another Apple that's going to be up 80 to 90% and over next year? It's not about that at this point. I think with Verizon, too, what you have going for you is the evolution of 5G, right? So yeah. earnings are only expected to grow 3%, but you have to consider they're having to invest heavily in infrastructure to build out the mm-hmm. 5G network. Yeah. And then I think that's going to persist. That's a forward-looking 3% expectation, but they're going to have to go and bid on additional spectrum because there's limited 5G spectrum right now. There's yeah. going to be an auction in the next year or so, and they're going to have to try and gobble that up so that they can ensure that they still continue to have that premium network which mm-hmm. justifies them charting higher prices, which right. should fall to the bottom line. So once they get that CapEx out of the way, you'll see the bottom line starting to fatten up, margin expansion, um, and it should bode well for a company like Verizon. So, yeah. well, Kyle, I'd say, you know, I, I'd say buy it. I think it still looks attractively valued right now. I don't think you need to wait for... Um, and it's still going to give you some protection because I don't know about you, but I've got Verizon and I don't plan on letting my cell phone go if we go into a recession. In fact, right. it's no way. That's become a, a non-discretionary expenditure. <laughs> yeah, it really That's is. It's staple-like. It's staple-like yeah. staple yeah, at this exactly. point. All right, guys, let's pick back up with some listener questions. And I love this next one. It, we couldn't have planned it any better. Didn't look ahead to see this prior to coming up with the dog of the week. But they seem to go hand in hand. Um, Paul and Stewart, we'd ideally like to pay for our daughter's undergrad college out of pocket. We want to reserve loans for grad school or doctorate. Any creative ideas for finding extra money? Define creative. Well, Paul and Stewart. So if you're listening via podcast, just rewind to the uh, second segment and listen to the dog of the week. Find yourself a reliable Uber driver who's ready to head south of the border. Call up Greg Robinson and he can give you some tips on uh, how to make a little extra income. Yeah. Or get arrested. <laughs> yeah, we we do not condone that type of uh, behavior, but <laughs> could technically be classified as reality, a creative idea, though. It so. is, yes. Yeah, in all reality, have you guys seen you know anyone come up with creative ways to generate you know extra income on the side, um, meaningful? I mean, sure, there's little ways, you know, yard sale type things to to get extra money, but that's not. That's not going to cover your college no, expenses by any means. It really comes down to it's one of these other things that's so circumstantial. You know, how much free time do you have? What are you passionate about and and could actually make a, a bit of a side gig out of? You know, some people these days drive Uber and do pretty well if you're in the right city. Sure. Um, yeah, I mean the other thing is you can you can kind of look at your balance sheet and see do you have assets that could be earning you money somewhere? Like yeah, for instance, your home. You know, that's something that uh, with interest rates where they are, and this is not something that we could have had this discussion like in the 80s, say. Right. Um, but, I mean, you might be able to refinance your house, get some cash out of your home, and use that to pay for college. Because it's, I tell you what, at, at three, six, 3.6% on a home loan, it's a heck of a lot cheaper than the seven, yeah. five, six, seven on plus percent you'd be paying on student loans. This is one of the cheapest Federal's ways. lower, and you're still, I don't think, touching below five yeah. and a half percent. Access to capital doesn't get as cheap as it does against your home right now. I mean, it's just not not on any kind of large scale anyways. And what paying for college or not, I think that that's something you should consider as a creative way to grow your net worth. Because as I was just explaining to someone earlier this week, 
you don't give up that asset on your balance sheet, the home, right? right? If you take out more against it, do you increase the debt load? Sure you do. But if you got that cash in the bank now that could then, to your point, be earning something, then the balance sheet stays the same. But now you've got two assets working for you. Hopefully the home continues to appreciate. And so do the stock in addition to the the income that they provide you. So well, think about the power of the leverage, too. I mean, I, I, that's not something that we like to talk about estate, it, but, it, you, know? you know, it's. If you have a hundred thousand dollar house with an eighty thousand dollar loan and your equity is twenty thousand dollars, your home value goes up five percent. So you you make your home's now worth a hundred and five. You just made twenty five percent on your equity. Mm-hmm. And that's a pretty good return. That's the power Hard of leverage. Beat. Now, yep. you know you have to be. There's risk that comes with that, just like anything else. If if you're getting that kind of return, it's going to be some risk to it. And in this case, it's your home, which you know people you feel uncomfortable. Another- taking that kind of risk with an asset that they're living in <laughs> and, and especially coming off of where, where we saw home prices go during the great financial crisis right how many right. people lost their home so it's a lot it wasn't as scary back then because we hadn't had a period in memory where you saw your, the price of your home decline so greatly right yeah. now that's in recent not so distant memory people are going to be a little more uh reserved at doing that for sure i think something else i hear you guys talk about i know troy says it a lot don't ever don't let this affect your retirement either funding your child's school because they can borrow to go to school you can't borrow for retirement exactly exactly yeah i mean you need to think of your own situation first i mean as selfish as it may sound that there are other avenues to pay for college and in fact you know i I think it does help sometimes or or make some sense to have your child with some skin in the game you know being able to without a doubt have a, a little responsibility have maybe some debt, even if you want to help them pay it off later, mm-hmm. um, you know, make them make them earn a little bit of it yeah. while they're going to school. It, it'll you make might. them think twice about dropping that class at the very yeah. least. Yeah. Oh, y- you learn, uh, you gain some financial literacy real quick taking out loans, especially when you graduate <laughs> and you say, wait, I've been accruing interest for the last four years from mm-hmm. that student loan I took out my freshman yeah. year. Yeah. Oh, and I and paid I, for that class that? that I didn't even take. Right. But if you do take out a, a you know, refinance your house or, or take out a mortgage to help pay for, for college, maybe make your kids pay some of that back. Charge them some kind of, you know, rate of interest or whatever, yeah. just like it's a student loan, but it's going to be a heck of a lot cheaper than a student loan. Yeah, make it, uh, help them learn a lesson. Mm-hmm. And there's other assets too. I mean, if you have, you know, if you have cash value life insurance, there's opportunities there um, to to either borrow against that cash value uh, or, or even cash some of it out, depending on what your needs for life insurance are. I mean, to Jared's point, it's very circumstantial. depends on your individual situation. But, um, you know, aside from kind of getting a a side gig, um, you can look at your balance sheet, find financial assets that can be earning you some more money or or give you some some flexibility to be able to, to help pay for college. But to Nick's point, don't sacrifice your own retirement at the expense of paying for college for your kids. Sure. Yeah. Yep. S- simple question, kind of probably got a little deeper than you expected on that one, but I think it's all good information that for things to consider if you're looking for you know ways to really afford college, not just uh, sure. earning a little extra money. Um, next question comes from Matthew from Paulding County. Jerry, we got one. Like your, we got one. Of your, we got one of your neighbors out here. Yeah. Says, okay, I admit, I went to one of those pop-up tax prep places. I have a super simple return since I don't itemize. But the preparer saw that I would owe this year and asked if I contributed to my IRA in 2019, basically telling me I can make a contribution to my IRA instead of owing tax. That doesn't sound right. I know my tax bill isn't a lot, but this still seems too good to be true. 
Well, it actually isn't because you would get a deduction for the contribution to that IRA, and therefore that deduction may take your, your tax liability down enough to where you wouldn't know anything, and you get to keep the same dollars that you would have otherwise at least depending Depending on where your income is. You know, if Correct. your income sure. is, is above the, the threshold, which I can't remember what it is off the top of my head, yeah. but um, then... You mean the maximum you, contribution the maximum, this year is 6500 Well, just the income threshold for a deductible contribution to an IRA. Um, yeah. Oh, look, Kelly Lynn's probably got it for us. Yeah, look at there. Well, so, yeah, it depends on which, which way you yeah, file. Yeah, I mean, if you're married, married filing joint, $123,000 um, is basically the, the threshold for a deductible IRA. So if your income is above that, then it would not be deductible. Um, and so then you wouldn't save any money on taxes by making an IRA contribution. But if you have a 401k at work, contribute to that. I mean, you've got the limit there. There's no income limit. Your end mm-hmm. limit, um, you know, for contributions is I think nineteen five for this year mm-hmm. for somebody under yep. uh, uh, fifty years old, and then you get a sixty five hundred dollar catch up to make it twenty four thousand. Um, and you can contribute until the tax deadline. Yep. For the previous year. Yeah, yeah. he so mentioned twenty nineteen, so it was six thousand for twenty nineteen. Right, but right. but at the end of the, I mean, that's that's the point here is if you if you make a a contribution to a tax deferred account, so four hundred one IRA, if you're under the threshold you get a deduction for that contribution, which in turn actually could lower your adjusted gross income and therefore bring down your tax liability and and ultimately causing you to maybe get a little bit of money back, in fact, uh, instead of owing some. And And should you do that? Probably. I would rather pay myself in the retirement account than pay Uncle Sam. Absolutely. Yeah. We all agree on that. So when you've got the cash flow to be able to, to swing it, then absolutely. Yeah. Well, if you're in the top tax bracket of 37% and were to make a $6,000 deductible contribution, you could save as much as 2200 in taxes, as Kelly Lynn has so generously outlined for us here. Got the numbers doing for the, us. Yeah, yeah it's Thank good you, stuff. Kelly Lynn. See what happens when we read the prep? Oh, yeah. Good stuff. She's throwing her hands up. But, you know, that, that that is important because, you know, being able to get those deductions is crucial. And I think that I would I would personally like to give some money to my own account instead of giving it to Uncle Sam. Now, there there is, I learned this early on, there's the other side of this where you've got some after-tax dollars now that you're making tax deferred once again. And therefore, down the road, you're going to have to pay ordinary income tax when you're likely going to be in a higher tax bracket. So something to think about because, you yeah, know. D- diversification you, is, is something that doesn't get talked about enough in terms of the, the tax, tax status. status. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, we talk about diversification with investments all the time, but having some flexibility, having a little bit of money in an after-tax account, a little bit of money in a, a Roth or tax-exempt account, and uh, a little bit of money in a tax-deferred account, it makes sense and gives you some flexibility down the road when who knows what tax rates are going to be. Yeah, and while Matthew didn't give us his age, I mean, if he's younger, he's got some time to let it grow, I mean, it probably is a better idea to go ahead and put it in the retirement account now, let it grow, and, and not give Uncle Sam these dollars early on that he could be keeping himself and, and letting grow over the next few decades if he's young enough. Yeah, save often and early if you can, right? And that's right. Well, unfortunately, guys, we don't have time to get into any more questions. Kelly Lynn's probably going to shoot me for not getting to KB Homes, but we'll cover it next week. But just looking for the week ahead, a lot of big economic news. we got a couple of uh, PMI uh, data points throughout, manufacturing and services next week, uh, some home price data. So um, going to be an interesting week. I think we uh, we head higher because nothing can stop this market. What do you guys think? Mark it up. Got to go up from here. Mark it up. You heard it here. Thanks for listening to Money Talks. Have a great week. All material presented is compiled from sources believed to be reliable and current, but accuracy cannot be guaranteed. 
The contents are intended for general information purposes only. Information provided should not be the sole basis in making any decisions and is not intended to replace the advice of a qualified professional, such as a tax consultant, insurance advisor, or attorney. Although this material is designed to provide accurate and authoritative information with respect to the subject matter, it may not apply in all situations. This is not to be construed as an offer to buy or sell any financial instruments. It is not our intention to state, indicate, or imply in any manner that current or past results are indicative of future profitability or expectations. Portfolio holdings discussed are subject to change. There is no guarantee that in the future these securities will be held in Hensler accounts. As with all investments, there are associated inherent risks. Please obtain and review all financial material carefully before investing. Hensler is not licensed to offer or sell insurance products. This overview is not to be construed as an offer to purchase any insurance products.